Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that isn't just thrown together. It's carefully constructed piece by piece in a unique but sustainable way, which is good because today we're looking at how a combination of factors are putting pressure on traditional house building methods. We've delivered in 2018 255,000 and it gets the target of 300. With help to buy being tapered out, kind of has been the industry is going to go, well, okay, we need to find other ways. That's a financial pressure on us. How are we going to get anywhere close to that target? And we'll be asking, has the time finally arrived for new methods of construction? It's just built in a factory and then able to sort of be, it's almost like Lego blocks sort of slotting in the second floor on top of the, the first floor. I'm Guy Ruddle and with me I have three people perfectly built to answer that and other questions. Patrick Eve is Savile's Head of Regional Development. Hello Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Good afternoon. Emily Williams is a research analyst who amongst other things manages Savile's Development Land Database and has previous on the Real Estates podcast. Welcome back Emily. Thank you. And Josh Rose-Noakes is also a research analyst. His remit covers everything from market dynamics to modern methods of construction. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Guy. Right. Now, let's talk about this. So pressures on uh, house builders uh, and all that. House builders don't get much sympathy, Patrick, in, in, in the world. Everyone blames them for not building enough houses and all that sort of stuff. Are there really lots of pressures on them at the moment? Yeah, there's definitely lots of pressures, whether that be um, just lack of uh, supply of planning consents, whether that be rising costs, whether that be requirements for Section 106. Um, What's Section 106? Sorry, Section 106 agreements, that's planning obligation agreements, so it's financial contributions required. Um, and um, time taken from uh, securing the land to actually being able to deliver. So there's lots of things that are that are kind of pr- that's slowing them up, trying to to deliver houses quicker. So you've got this report out, Emily, uh, which looks at sort of three main areas of, of that pressure. So let's and they are political, financial, and environmental. So let's let's take them one by one. Who wants to deal first of all with the political? pressures uh, on uh, on uh, on house builders I will go on then um so we're at quite an interesting point for house building um sort of people are increasingly aware of of the housing crisis and we know that housing is becoming ever more important for voters I think there was a survey last year which said it's now the second highest priority for voters and if you looked back 10 15 years ago you would have seen issues like law and order and education and actually now housing has risen above that and that's translating into sort of some quite big political debates about what we should be doing. And we now have, I think we've had for the last sort of couple of years, a new national target for England of building 300,000 homes a year. But we're still quite a way off that. And so there's ever-growing pressure on house builders from politicians um, to find ways of increasing the amount that they're delivering. And they're at the centre of some quite interesting um, policy debates, which could really have quite severe impacts on the sort of the models that they use to to bring sites forward. Um, one of the major pressures is to speed up the rate of delivery. Um, and there are lots of ways that people have discussed doing that. So whether it's sort of actually just changing um, the way that they build, so using those modern methods of construction, or trying to diversify the product that they're delivering. So instead of just focusing on homes for sale, delivering across a, a range of tenures or a range of price points. And because... In the end, you know, they're the ones who are going to get the blame. The the simple way of looking at it is to say, well, we want 300,000 homes. Go build them. We'll buy them. 
And it's not quite working out like that. No, and I think one of the the most challenging things is is purely, um, you know, we we have we're very focused on um, home ownership and and home ownership by individuals, um, but there just isn't the market capacity, or we haven't found a way of delivering into the market three hundred thousand homes that are for home ownership. Um, so we're sort of grappling with how the industry is. It's grappling with how it can adopt some new models that allows it to have higher rates of absorption, and what that then means for sort of the traditional house building model because typically if you're well if you're delivering um, affordable housing or even if you're delivering rental stock that you sort of you think of it as a, a bulk discount for the the end purchaser it's you know their um, house builders will likely have to sell that product for um, sort of at a slight discount to what they would have been able to sell it for if they were selling it you know as an individual sure. home ownership product so that's sort of the the government political pressure on house builders are they still making enough money out of building houses and selling them? Well, um, I think there are um, challenges on the horizon. Help to Buy has has played quite a big role um, recently in supporting um, new home sales. And uh, that's, first of all, it's being um, adjusted in 2021. And then ultimately, when this scheme ends in 2023, there's this big question about what's going to happen and, and you know, what's going to step in to support the uh, transactions that would have relied on help to buy. Because, yeah, so we've delivered in 2019 or 2018 255,000 against the target of 300. Um, and that's a lot of that's been fueled by help to buy with help to buy being tapered out. Kind of has been the industry is going to go, well, OK, we need to find other ways. That's mm-hmm. a financial pressure on us. We haven't got that. Those house, those purchases coming in. How are we going to get anywhere close to that target without other things happening? So that political pressure, financial pressure on houses, I'm almost beginning to feel sorry for them <laughs> uh, when you come to the third uh, element, which is this sort of, um, how would you describe it, sort of environmental pressure on house builders in terms of, you know, building homes that are more, uh, use less energy and are more sustainable and yeah. not on, you know, presumably, you know, Half the country is going to be underwater in fifty years' time, anyway, or something like that. Are those real pressures? Are those those things that house builders are having are, are actually struggling with on a daily basis? I mean, it's it's a huge um, challenge for society, and and the construction industry um, has an important role to play in that. And um, more broadly, the construction industry produces um, something like half of all the waste that we produce in the UK. Is so, that right? Yeah. Really? So, wow. And, and and when we look at um, you know as a country as a society tackling that um, you know reducing the amount of wastage through the construction process is 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 going to be uh, crucial. And um, I mean, it's, I think it's probably it's not something that the industry is is really grappling with yet, but we know that the pressure is going to come. You know, that this this isn't something that sort of the industry can lobby its way out of this time. It, it really has to grapple with these issues. Yeah, and I think previously they did. They lobbied their way out. It's oh god, you are. Costs are going to go up and we can't afford it. So, yes, you're being unrealistic. Now, socially, they with all the thing with Extinction Rebellion and all this, there's no way that they can say it's going to cost us a bit more money. We all know with everything we do, everything's going to cost us more because of this. Yeah. So, they, yeah, we, yeah, it will come. We will see more, more so, sustainable development. So, we've sort of hinted at it, but we're sort of building towards a question, which is if all... if all these pressures are there and they're not pressures that are going to go away. Um, does this, the way that we build houses in this country and have done for the best part of 100 years, I guess, is that a, a business model that genuinely works or do we have to look at new ways of doing things? 
Um, well, it's definitely going to put pressure on particularly build costs, um, particularly for on the environmental um, question. Um, also, with the sort of the model of of how we of who you would be selling to and um, kind of changes the sort of the cash flow because you're probably if you're selling to an institutional investor as with bulk purchases, as I said, they're going to expect a discount. So actually, maybe you're you know maybe you have sort of lower margins, but equally your cash flow might be less cyclical. It's less um, sort of at the mercy of the house price cycle. So we're looking at maybe quite different a different model for house builders and i think they they will need to adapt um also one of the other things that we we expect house builders to have to do is become um sort of develop long-term strategic partnerships with some of these big investors um and that might again sort of change what they're doing do they become contractors rather than um rather than sort of just doing it for themselves then the great it's from an institutional investor they want to they want to have low maintenance costs they want to have ease ease of management they want to they're less concerned by the frilly bits that a, that a homeowner may want it has to be practical so what are the potential different ways of building we should probably explain what we mean by modern methods of construction mmc is it is it shortened to mmc or yeah. am i just making that yeah. up no, correct okay so what do we mean by modern methods of construction uh, it's, so it's really referring to um, construction processes, so either fabrication or sort of consolidation um, that takes place away from the, the main work phase, so, um, which is where the, it, people also use the term off-site. Uh, I mean, in actual fact, it can kind of be on-site, but it'll be on-site in like a pop-up factory or something um, where the vast majority of the work takes place in that controlled environment using um, sort of precision-engineered manufacturing techniques and is then assembled. And you'll see sort of great pictures of a crane slotting in. It's almost like Lego blocks sort of slotting in the second floor on top of the, the first floor. And because a lot of it has just been able to be built offsite, you know, away from the from the weather, from the elements. And, and it's just built in a factory and then able to sort of be slotted. On top. There are so many good things about it when you think about it. It, it is, yes. It, it's, I think I spoke to, to one developer of it and he said, look, throughout the winter... We don't have to worry about working in the in the middle of the muddy building site and it pouring with rain and it freezing. We can be in a in a big warehouse and we know that we can deliver X number of houses in that period of time and nothing will prevent us from doing that unless we don't get delivery of materials. That's about the only thing. So there's lots of good things about it, but it's there's still a long way to go until it becomes the norm rather than the Is a relatively it? small element of the of the delivery. Yeah. Is it cheaper? To build no. This no, no, no. I think it, it's, I'm surprised by that. I would have, I, I would imagine it would have been. I think part of it is um, to do with scale. So the major house builders are building sort of almost twenty thousand homes each per year, and they have huge economies of scales in their supply chain. Um, at the moment, MMC is a relatively. It's only around ten percent of the total um, new build market um, in the UK, and it's. It depends on the site and it's more suitable for some sites than others. But on average, it's about 10% um, more expensive to build using MMC. Um, there's also the big challenge of, of the startup costs because you have to invest in a factory to be able to to get going. Um, but so the, I suppose the question is, if it's, if we do come across these tipping points that we've talked about earlier, where actually it, it sort of becomes the pressure on other sort of traditional build costs becomes such that actually it makes more sense to move to MMC. Then maybe you get sort of the level of scale within that to sort of help drive the cost down. But at the moment, it's, 
I think it, it, the biggest question is, is scale. Yeah, I think also it probably is worth mentioning that whilst at the moment it might not be cheaper, it is very likely to be quicker. So as you know, Patrick alluded to there, if, if you can build without delay throughout the whole winter, you're going to be able to get your scheme up much faster. So whilst it might not actually be cheaper, if you're building um, particularly for rent, uh, and then you can realise your income stream sort of six months faster. So let's sort of assume that there's a, there's a, it's a financially equal one way or another there, and it's faster and all and all those things. Uh, I, what stop? You know, why is it battery only going to be a ten percent of the market? I think when you buy a house, you're buying it and you're you're raising a mortgage on it, and it's a long term. At the moment, there's still for some people there's still stigma over a kind of a modular or a, or a panelized we think back to the kind of the prefabs post-war and everything and people still think of some people still associated with that is it going to last and you look at a lot of those houses but a lot of them are being demolished now so if i'm buying a house now and i want to live in it for 20 30 years what happens into the, the 20 30 years can you guarantee that it will still i won't have to knock it down and start again and it's just, it's a perception. It's getting used to it. It's not yet established. It's not been proved. They haven't been around for long enough. But if you built, if you were to buy a brick built house, you look back to the Victorians, the Victorian terraces are still there. They're still going strong. And you, you have confidence. And is it still just a perception then? So, you know, because I can understand the perception, but is, is, it, is there an element of reality? Are, there, are these houses that, are they built in a way that will last? 200 years. I mean, there's a very significant um, drive by the industry and lenders and um, industry bodies to understand that and offer, you know, guarantees um, and lending in on similar terms as they would with a traditional build. And, you know, it's probably also worth mentioning that actually the, the quality in traditional build varies hugely as well. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So uh, you said ten percent now or in the future. So let so modern methods of construction MMC that we will be talking about. I'm going to ask you all uh, in what percentage of homes in ten years' time will be built by with MMC. No one's going to remember what you say, so you're all right. Uh, but also, what percentage of homes in thirty years' time are going to be built? With MMC. Is anyone happy to answer that question? Yeah, yeah, happy. Go on then. 20% and 50%. Okay, okay yes. ten, 20% in 10 years and 50% in 30 years. Yeah. Um, anyone disagree with that? I'd be maybe a little bit more conservative in 10 years, I say about 15%, but I think long term, yeah, I could see it being 50%. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, I might as well go. <laughs> well, you can agree. <laughs> You're allowed to fly, agree. Fly, fly the flag. Um, okay. Um, let's go 30% and 70%. No. (laughs) And you get a bottle of champagne if you're right. If anybody remembers it to 30 years' time that you said 70%. That's been amazing. It's really interesting. It's fascinating, this whole thing about how we build houses. It's it's really tremendous. Now, we can't go without doing a Savile standout statistic. Is everybody prepared for a Savile standout statistic? You've got one ready. Haven't already mentioned it, which is what happens sometimes. Have you mentioned yours already, no, Emily? I no, I good. So, who wants to go first, Emily? You, you, you're you're an old hand. You've done this before. I think that you should give the give the give the boys time. So oh, okay. you go first. What okay. is your Savile um, standout statistic? My standout statistic is that between 1997 and uh, 2018, wages grew by 70 percent on average nationally, but house prices grew by 240 percent, which I think just really highlights the challenges for individual purchasers to get on the housing ladder now. 
few. I mean, not few, but wow. <laughs> okay, Josh, what's yeah. yours? In uh, 20 years' time, there's going to be an additional one and a half million over 65 households in rental accommodation. Um, so there's going to be a huge, uh, you know, at the moment there's a bit of a policy gap. There's there's really a need for more, interven- more intervention um, on the policy side and um, for us to start producing houses, which are going to, accommodate and be you know adequate for that need and and affordable most importantly i sometimes worry about we're doing this summer standard statistic it just throws up things that makes your head spin patrick millennial share of global workforce by 2025 will be 75 percent so they're going to they're going to be increasingly dominate that generation um and that could change all of this we've been talking about just a traditional house two up two down may just completely change and we may go and we're seeing it in certain places co-living co-working is something to talk about but co-living now is something that's being introduced and that just changes design of houses completely and delivery of houses and that's a whole new thing so what you're saying is we could have entirely wasted the last 20 minutes <laughs> exactly <laughs> brilliant thank you very much all of you it's been great to have you in the studio and, uh, and i hope you enjoyed it have you had a good time very much so so that's it for this episode of real estate insights if all that's done is left you wanting to know more about the pressures on house builders and modern methods of construction then there is a report you can read called the spotlight on disruption in development which can be found on the savills research website savills.co.uk slash research and if you aren't already a subscriber to real estate insights i say this every time uh, because i want you to become a subscriber please do you can do so using your usual podcast provider in the meantime thanks for listening see you next time this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.